Hey everyone, um, I just want to share some thoughts after really sinking in Athlete A um, from, from watching it yesterday. And honestly, this is a, a rant that I've wanted to put up for like seven years and it's, it's been a long-term making. But after watching the video and listening to Jennifer Say's podcast with Jessica O'Byrne and Jim Kasich and, and also just... Uh, actually seeing a story from Becky Downey that, that highlighted a quote um, that I think is really important to talk about in terms of what I'm really continuing to go through and what I have gone through for the last seven years with my work that I've been lucky to do in a lot of different types and parts of gymnastics around the world is, is how, did, how did we get here? Like, how did we get here? How did we get to a point where this appalling, disgusting, tragic series of events has been allowed to unfold. And the first thing is I just am blown away by people like Rachel Den Hollander and Maggie Nichols and so many other people, Jordan Weaver, uh, Simone, and all the athletes that have come forward and the survivors that have come forward to expose this, like the courage it takes to to do that when the entire world is, is staring against you is, is mind blowing to me. And I, I said it in a tweet, but I think they're just the most courageous, incredible, inspiring people on the earth. Um, but when you look at the layers of this and you clearly, clearly the, the situation of what Larry Nassar did in his horrific crimes and all of the people affected on sexual abuse, when you look at the question of how do we get here, the quote that Jennifer says, she says, you start to not believe your own take on things. You think you're hungry, you think your ankle hurts, you think you're working really hard, but you're told and you're screamed at that you're lazy and you're fat and nothing's wrong with your ankle. And I stopped I stopped the, the entire documentary three times because I couldn't watch it all in one sitting, it was too brutal. Um, but that quote for me completely hit the nail on the head and I just saw Becky post it and she said so many athletes can relate to this and this is the problem this is where we are this is why this is so devastating this is not an instance of one bad apple ruining it for everybody or a few bad apples right this is years of culture that has built upon problems and just corrosive toxic nature and this is not everybody there are so many good gyms out there so many good coaches that i respect on the elite scene as well that are incredible at the ncaa level and they have done amazing things and they love their kids for the right reasons working with them and everything is good everything is perfect but the brutal reality is that we have so many people who are leading with awful morals and are doing it for for money and for greed and for perceived status. They want to they wanna show these kids off at a young age because it, their self-worth is wrapped up and tied to the medals that are, are coming with it, right? And clearly the, the scandal came about and the film does an amazing job of really highlighting the multiple layers of, of corruption and greed and, and a series of events that were just domino effects towards trying to save face and, and clearly putting the, the well-being and the health of the athlete far below on the priority list when it comes to sponsorships and money and, and the, the image of, of USA Gymnastics in that time period. And I really think that like those pieces of that quote that Jennifer said 
struck the most because the number I've done a lot of work in gymnastics in the last seven years and starting and competing in gymnastics from competing to coaching to researching to traveling and speaking to running an educational company to treating thousands of gymnasts for medical rehab and consulting strength conditioning and the number of stories that I've heard that are normalized about comments on weight and body image and just like ridiculous things from people who have no training in nutrition, zero training in nutrition. They know nothing about energy transfer, macronutrients, energy balance, or even the energy systems that fuel them. They have no clue about what goes into body composition and all of these complex biochemical processes that happen in our body in a young athlete, not to mention in someone who's growing and going through puberty. And it's just baffling to me that the the garbage that these people can spew again not everybody but some people i've heard from stories that are allowed to just go on normalized that that's okay for someone who has zero formal training to say these things and make comments and make recommendations about what to eat and when to eat like that first layer of it in that quote was so nail on the head for me that that is just appalling that's crazy that we're allowing that to happen and when you look at like what they're saying it's just not only is it wrong scientifically and it flies in the face of what the the modern literature says when you look at the sport saying things like you can't eat any carbs because those are those are going to make you fat or bad don't eat fats they're going to make you fat the sport is anaerobic metabolism and requires carbs for fuel that is literally the main foundation of repeat sprintability and anaerobic metabolism and glycolysis is fueled off of that and, and glycogen stores and it's like if you're telling an athlete to not eat any carbs and then asking them to do repeat sprint turns on vault or floor or whatever it is, that's baffling. That's absolutely baffling. And, and the, the fact that you would allow yourself to say that when you're not licensed as a nutritionist or an exercise physiologist is insanity, is absolutely insanity. And it goes directly to the next piece she talked about, which was that you're not working hard. And absolutely, yes, don't get me wrong. There's, there's athletes in our sport that have goals that are well above their effort level, right? They're, they're kids. They're, they're, they're going through what they want to try to get to a goal. And sometimes it is truly about the art and the science of combining how to help motivate a young athlete to get there. But that has never in the world does that come down to screaming at an athlete or demeaning them as a person or yelling at them or anything like that. When it comes down to those things, that is where it's so important for you to understand how this all works how strength conditioning works, how flexibility works, how skill development works, how power transfer works. How do you build a program that's about rate of force development and repeat sprintability? Like you have to know these things inside and out if you're going to be the person in charge of writing a program like this. And I think this is the majority of this is really well-intentioned people who got horrific education. Like there's zero, zero systematic required year-long, two-year-long educational process in the United States that is science-driven, along with safety, along with ethical and moral guidelines, along with mentorship from an expert coach who's been proven and vetted that he, they know what they're doing. You just walk in and you start coaching and you're, you're taking some safety certs and you do this and then you're in charge. And it's like, how in the world have we built a system and allowed a system to go on that someone who has no clue about hip anatomy and has zero, zero idea about what goes in anatomically, bio, biomechanically and and training wise to get a full oversplit that they're allowed to just make programs on flexibility. And then they're allowed to teach 
about these things because it looks like it works, right? Or it got one super flexible athlete that has dysplastic hips and a really shallow hip sockets, full oversplits that they could naturally do. So like, this is another thread of the massive problem. It's like, how in the world can you say someone is not working hard and true, if you've truly narrowed down to the athlete wants the goal and is putting in their effort and you're still saying they're not working hard and they're lazy when the, the concepts behind nutrition are completely off, off the rails. If you, if you don't know what you're doing with, with actual scientific information or have someone you're working with, but also the amount of information that is available on strength conditioning and power and strength training and flexibility. I was completely slapped in the face in 2014 when I got my postdoctoral work in sports physical therapy. There's loads of information on stuff that I was like, I can't believe I've never been taught this on training for metabolic programs, training for flexibility, training for strength conditioning, periodization, workloads, tapering, peaking, overtraining, looking at ratios, looking at strength indexes, like so much stuff that like, maybe I'm just an idiot and I didn't have time to study it or I was egotistical and I didn't study. But I never heard about that stuff in any formal gymnastics clinic that I went to or lecture that I went to or online programming. It's just doing what people did before us and that's it. That's it. Just letting people pass down information. And when science would come up that flu that was conflicting towards what gymnastics was doing, it's gymnastics is different. It's unique. They don't understand. This research doesn't apply. And especially when it comes down to year long training and periodization and off seasons, right? Like I'm super lucky that I have mentors that have literally written books on this stuff and, and shoulder rehab and research and elbow and strength conditioning. And that they're experts internationally renowned in this field. And everybody asks me, they're like, why in the world do you guys do that? Why do you just ignore the evidence on all these things, strength, conditioning, flexibility? And there's some of it maybe in flexibility, there's some of it in strength training, but I've seen up until five, 10 years ago, I remember just watching programs of, of strength conditioning presentations and flexibility and all stuff. And I was following it all because I thought it was the best, but there were zero scientific references in any of these presentations, none, none. And that is just allowed. It's just allowed to, to be vetted. Whereas people who don't have cross-examination of peer-reviewed literature, that's why peer-reviewed literature is so important, are just saying what they think is important. And are there tricks of the trade with coaching? Absolutely. I'm super fortunate. I know some of the best coaches in the world and I believe exactly what they say when it comes to drills and skills and biomechanics and training and getting over fear and and how do you progress someone technically and how do you dose that? How do you get ready for a meet? Like that's that's their expertise. That's their bread and butter. They should be known for that. But when you start dancing into all these other categories and maybe it's our fault for putting 500 different careers on one coach who has to do everything, right? I'm still a coach. I still coach options. I get how hard it is. But if you're not going to take the time to get credentialed or learn those things, how in the world can you make claims against it? And the third piece of this, when they were talking about ankles and injuries is I vividly remember um, this textbook, ironically right next to me, this textbook, Larry Nassar has a textbook chapter in here about shoulder injuries. And I read this book, my boss, my boss and my good friend, Mike uh, Reinald edited this book and put it together. And I remember reading that chapter and getting to the end of it and being like, this is it. This is, this is what we're doing for, for medical rehab of the, the gymnast shoulder. And everything else that I read was just like, this doesn't seem up to date with the literature. This doesn't seem like the nineties and two thousands and two thousand tens had so much information on 
disc issues and back issues and UCL injuries and slap tears and uh, ACL tears, meniscus tears. And it just was not seeming to be in any repertoire of what we were doing. And there's so much problems on the medical side in terms of getting you back safely and making sure you're doing it well. And I'm a number one offender of that because I had to go through it and learn painfully how, how much I didn't know. But how in the world are we just talking about the number of injuries and how it just happens and it's part of gymnastics when in reality it's like, what about the clear and blatant overtraining? What about the massive issues with nutrition and recovery? What about the insane hours we put on young kids before puberty? What about the huge lack of evidence for strength and conditioning and the use of external loading appropriately? What about the incredible lack of periodization done in any sort of formal program long-term? And yes, people do it. Yes, there are people who have incredible information that's out there, but still, like, why is this not gold standard? Why, is, why are these things that are done by good coaches who have the education not required education for everybody when you enter the sport? How in the world are we letting this slide? And why can't we just like see that there's so many good people and highlight them and make them the, the people instead of just saying like, well, this person can, can talk because they know this person or, you know, there's, there's so much stuff that as I was listening to the documentary fully, it's just, it's, it's just baffling. Like how in the world did we get here? How do we let this happen? And the way we got here is because of all of this, because we all let this happen in terms of not addressing the real root issues and turning a blind eye and saying it's just gymnastics and this is what it takes and gymnastics is different and doesn't apply here. And I, th I think that's like a massive, massive, important takeaway that I, th I think from listening to Jennifer's podcast that she really wants us to understand is we have to dig at the deeper, deeper roots and rip them out if we ever want to get change. And there's there's three things that I think clearly have to happen if we actually want something to, to stick for once and forever and not just have somebody speak up against these things and blackball them or push them off to the side like so many of the people before me and friends of mine that had, whereas they tried to speak up against these things, but nobody wanted to listen because it was it was against the grains, quote unquote. But like number one, we need clear moral and ethical guidelines. And I said this earlier a couple weeks ago, but I want to say it again. It's like, we need organizations that completely hold all these people accountable who have committed crimes. No doubt the full weight of the law needs to be put on people who have made awful decisions in the last 5, 10, 20, whatever it is, years. And that needs to happen. Absolutely no doubt question, period. But at the same time, every single person in the sport who is involved needs to follow the same guidelines of what it means to treat a kid well in the sport and do it for the right reasons. And they need to hold themselves to a higher standard and they need to hold each other to a higher standard. Like in your gym of 10 coaches, you need to be responsible for making sure if something happens, it's not okay. I don't care who you've coached and how many elites you have and whatever it is in scholarships and what's this and that, and it's, but it's the big meat of the year. Like who gives a crap? Like none of that stuff is worth it if it means that you're gonna just destroy a kid's physical and mental well-being for the long term. And another big like thing they say is like, well, it's like you know, it's all on the line. This is a big meet. College scholarships. I work with plenty of elites and plenty of college athletes who are riding on a scholarship and are doing that. And I promise you, most of the colleges don't want you to blow out your back just to make one big appearance so that you're ruined for the next four years of college. I'm pretty sure that's not it. But also, if you're an elite athlete at that level. Most people are adults making decisions for themselves. They're not 13, 14, 15 year old kids who aren't fully matured and developed. And we have to get rid of this idea that 16 is a peak and that this garbage that came across that we have to get them while they're young because that's when it's, that's when it's good. Like, no, not at all. Like, have we ever entertained the idea of letting us go to 
18, right? Not specializing until we're 14 and getting later and developing fully and maybe seeing what happens. And I've got plenty of friends that are in their 20s and are still training elite until doing just well, even with so much trauma in their younger ages, that if we allowed them to maybe have a normal, healthy childhood and then put them in the sport at a high level later, maybe they would be much more successful and we'd get much more out of them. But again, we just keep following the same thing everybody else does, like lemmings off the cliff and not thinking critically about these things. So we need a clear ethical guideline. We need clear moral standards and we have to hold each other accountable regardless of your status or who you've coached. And we, I said it already, but we just need a systematic required hierarchy of education in the US, period. You should, you should need a minimum year of formal training online that is done by the best scientists, medical providers, expert coaches on technique, psychologists, whatever it is. You don't need to be an expert, but you need to know the current literature on all these things and the current best practices and not just fly by the seat of your pants just because like sounds like it might be a good idea or like, you know, oh, we didn't do rope climbs last week. Let's, let's do some more rope climbs this week. Like that can't be the way. And third, we, we just clearly need a very comprehensive workload and wellness and monitoring system. And that is a very tough project, something I'm actively involved in with research studies. And we have two studies going now, but I know it's complicated. I know it's hard. I know it's messy because humans and young athletes and tracking is tricky and like, you know, all the research is very mixed right now. Like I get that, but we, we can no longer just go based on what we think is right. We have to have objective standardized measures against what we're doing with periodization and the dose response of, of stress endocrinology, but then also open communication about these things in advance. And it has to get to a point where everyone has an equal voice and they're allowed to say it and not out of fear or, or intimidation that if you speak up about your ankle hurting, that you're going to get kicked off a team or you're going to get psychological warfare shunned in the corner and go do your assignment because pull these, these injuries are such a nuisance or like, I can't believe we have to take time off. It's such an, an, an annoying thing we have to deal with as humans. Like, no, this is how the human body works. This is how adaptation and supercompensation occurs. Gymnastics is hard with high force. It's high risk and it's challenging. And that's, one of the best things about gymnastics is it teaches incredible values of work ethic and discipline and social community and, and so many amazing things that we want kids to get out of it. But when we blur the lines to win at all cost and toughen up and put it all out there in this like crazy toxic culture, we ruin 10 for every one that makes it. And the ones that do make it say they hated their experience. And it's not every gymnast. It's not everyone. There's so many good ones like I'm trying to say, but like, this is why we're here. This is why we're here and we and we can no longer walk past it. We can no longer let it go on this way or else nothing's going to change and it's just going to be the same. And it's always been this way. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, something comes up. Oh, that's that's a bummer. You know, like, oh, I can't believe she didn't make it. Like, God, I almost cried when I watched Rebecca Bross Terry ACL in the documentary again. I don't know why. I almost cried when, when Kyle Stevens came up because I remember what she went through and there's been so many distinct memories of reading stuff from watching Allie Raisman's and Jordan's testimony on, and just following um, Rachel Denhollander's book and just being so mad that I came from this culture and we're part of it and it's still happening. So we, we have to change these things. We can no longer let it go through and it's just eroding the good nature and what the sport can do. It's the best sport in the world. It's incredible. And there are so many people doing the right thing, taking care of their athletes, running amazing facilities that we have to, we have to make sure we're all banding together and doing this. And it, it just can't be this, this, this look away. It can't be this, this is the way we've always done it. It can't be anymore. We have to choose people over profits. We have to choose virtues over vices. We have to choose the harder challenging path over the convenient, easy, glamour filled money, social media attention path. Like it's harder. I get it. It's harder. And I'm, I've actively gone through it myself, but 
we have to do the right thing when it's the harder thing to do all the time, no matter what, every day, have the harder conversation, wake up an extra hour and do the work, study, research, talk to people, break the mold of what our traditional gymnastics foundation is. And we, we just have to all take those steps every single day because it's up to us to change. It's not going to be anybody fixing it from the outside. It's 100% on us. So that's all I got. But I feel like I've, I've wanted to say that for a long time, seven years at least. And I just could no longer not say it with a film coming out. So amazing job to all the film producers, anybody in that documentary or not in the documentary who helped contribute to change and raising the voice against all the issues. You're my freaking hero. And I have the most respect for you and courage is baffling what you've gone through. So yeah, thank you for all you do. And to all the survivors out there, my heart goes out to you. And I hope that this is after five years of, of even getting to here, I hope this is just completely the start of a new way to train in gymnastics and enjoy the sport. So that's all I got. Take care. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests you want to have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful and that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.